Hello and welcome to Wild Sessions. I'm your host, Henrietta Norton, parent, author, nutritional practitioner and founder of Wild Nutrition. Joining me are some incredibly empowering voices, specialists in women's life stages from menstruation to menopause. Together, we explore the twists and turns, intricacies and insights that make our bodies the scientific marvels they are. This episode is with Heather Jackson. Heather Jackson is the founding partner of Gen M, which is a movement uniting brands to lead a change around menopause and how menopause is viewed in society. And Wild Nutrition are one of those brands and it's been a real privilege to be working alongside them. They've recently published a report called The Invisibility Report, which is fantastic reading. And we go into quite a lot of detail around that and pull out some of the statistics which are staggering around perimenopause and how we can change the rhetoric around menopause. Everything from education to how we can change the workplace to socioeconomic and diversity influences on the menopause. It's a really, really brilliant conversation. I've really enjoyed speaking to Heather and I really hope that you find it fascinating too. Heather, I would love you to explain to our listeners how Gen M came about. Thank you for having me on today. Yes, Gen M is, as you quite rightly said, the menopause partner of brands. And we've collected 70 of the greatest brands together, including yourselves, to actually stand united in not only raising the awareness of menopause, but actually committing to serve and support it better. And that's not just for work colleague, it's for consumer as well, because my co-founder, Sam Simistra and I, when we hit our perimenopause, we felt invisible to brands that had helped us out all our lives that we'd been loyal to when we were looking for solutions to our aid um, our menopause symptoms like our hot sweats like our anxiety we really struggled to actually find things that were there for us and we stood in stores and actually thought how can we find what we're looking for climate controlled bedding climate controlled pajamas makeup that wouldn't run down our faces all these different products because as we know the change changes everything from hair products right through to the bedding we might need and so we realized at that point then that there was more to the menopause than just going to the doctor and hopefully getting some hrt if that suited you or, or working your way out we needed to work with brands to recognize that women just as much as you wouldn't run a marathon in a pair of slippers women as they entered the biggest marathon of their lives, needed to be better prepared in the kit that they needed, the support that they needed from them, from the nutrients to the supplements, the clothes. So three years ago, when we started looking into this, this area, we felt that actually the brands had the biggest reach, had the biggest audience, had the biggest power to influence from their colleagues to their consumer. And actually, they did have a role to play in making a societal issue, which menopause is. And so hopefully that explains why Sam and I got together to build Gen M and bring the biggest brands together. But that in a nutshell was two perimenopausal women feeling woefully let down by brands. And actually our research showed that we weren't only two women in the world thinking like this. Our research showed that 87% of women felt let down by brands and 92% wanted better signposting to the menopause. So hence Gen M was ignited and created. And we've now got 70 brands, including Marks and Spencer's, including including Boots, including Vichy, including Wild Nutrition, including Holland and Barrett and Royal Mail, all come together to actually bring purposeful change. And you have, you've spearheaded a lot of change already in the three years. And I'm interested in your 
your previous professional life? Because you led, uh, you were the CEO and founder of An Inspired Journey. Gender has always been a big part of my life and not because I feel that women are any better than, than men, but that actually it's about equal opportunity, opportunity. and giving, giving that opportunity and levelling the playing field, not actually turning it the other way around either. Balance and diversity brings better business, better balance, better business. So we needed more women at the top. And then um, 15 years ago, I set up a business called An Inspirational Journey. That was all about bringing organizations together to actually help bring along their women in middle management because actually that's the incubation period of of anyone's career and we felt that it was all very well wanting more women at the top but if we didn't incubate them and support them in that middle area we'd lose them so I built up an organization that supported 30,000 women um, from 150 global organizations build themselves to be much better equipped emotionally, physically and mentally to the career aspirations and realise that they had choice and control to take their careers to the top. And actually, we had some incredible results. And equally back to that equal playing field, we built the world's first gender balanced leadership conference as well. 500 of the top leaders, 50% of men, 50% of women in attendees at this conference. It took seven years to get there. But actually, again, this wasn't about having gender balance and diversity balance on a platform, on a stage. It was about having it in the audience, because if you haven't got it in the audience, there's no point having it just on a stage. So, again, all these things that we did to change the rhetoric and get more women to the top. And actually, through that 15 years, many organisations, the the 150 organisations, we all believed at that time, if we changed the culture of businesses, more women would go to the top. And actually, that's all we had to focus on. And much of this change is about deep, sustainable change as well. Yeah. It's not the short-lived change. Oh, no. And yeah. and you so you need to penetrate deeply into cultures and it's a society issue as well. And there are a lot of constructs to break down and rebuild okay. in order to create that sustainable change. Without a doubt. And it's all long-term goals. But the irony of all this was that everyone believed, changed the culture and more women will go to the top. And 15, 20 years on, many companies have got incredible cultures now where women can go to the top, rightfully take their place, should they want it, alongside skilled and talented men as well. And we're still finding that women from senior management and beyond are still leaving in many of the same numbers that they were leaving before the culture was changed. So that, that's... That, it's the menopause. So Jen M have produced the Invisibility Report, which is absolutely brilliant reading. And I'd encourage Thank anybody you. to go to the Jen M site and download it and read it. But one of the things that I found was staggering was that 90% of women are at the peak of their career when the perimenopause hits. And that actually brings me back to a point that I wanted to pick up earlier as well is around when we're aware of what we need and that we're in the perimenopause, then we can recognise that there's a gulf of products and brands talking to us, but actually the awareness comes before that. And there's a gulf of awareness amongst women about their own bodies and what they're going through. Well, I think we've got to recognise that the biggest growing demographic in the working population right now is women over 40. This cannot be ignored. But at the same time as this is hitting, most women are already showing three signs of perimenopause, unknowingly most of them, by the time they are 40. Now, this isn't something to be feared, but this isn't something to be ignored either. Our research showed that most women, never mind men, can only name between three and five symptoms of menopause. And would you be surprised to know 
shows there's actually 48 symptoms of menopause, credible, medical and clinical. And if you don't know what you're looking for and you don't know what's going to be happening, some of these symptoms can be seen as other things. You can panic into thinking you've got dementia if you're getting brain fog. You know, you're going into depression because you're having anxiety attacks and panic attacks. How on earth can we change society to thinking about menopause when we ourselves as women aren't aware of what we're going through? And just as much as we didn't go to the doctors to find out about puberty, society brought us up to realise that we were going to be monosyllabic, we were going to be spotty, we were going to be absolutely hormones raging all over the place when we hit 13, 14. And our families knew that as well. Why aren't we better prepared for the menopause and that preparation? And I was angry when I found out that I was perimenopausal. I was angry at myself. And I know that's a wrong thing possible to think, but I'm a woman like many women who thought very carefully about the career, about every step they've taken in life, even down to when I had my children. I've been systematically planning and preparing for every eventuality in my life. How did I get to 49 years old and been knocked over by something I had no preparation for whatsoever. I went to the doctor six times. I knew I wasn't feeling myself at a time when I'd actually cashed in on my business. My kids had all left home for the right reasons. I was going to be doing my bucket list of Kilimanjaro, Everest Base Camp, everything that I've ever wanted to do. How was going to have my Thelma and Louise swinging from the chandeliers period? I didn't expect to get to a period in my life where I'd got everything that I'd ever wanted and feel so woefully fatigued woefully emotional, woefully, absolutely brain fog like um, I've never had before. I thought I'd got dementia. I thought I'd got such aching bones that I needed to go and have cancer tests. I was panicking on everything, not because I was a hypochondriac, because as a woman who prepared herself for everything, she knew her body really well, but she didn't know what was going on with it. And every time at that point I went to the doctors, they kept saying, are your periods still regular? And I kept saying, yes, so they just move on. No one actually said to me, you may be perimenopausal. It was my girlfriend, Sam Simister, who is now my co-founder of Gen M. I was laughing with her going, I've got everything I've wanted in my life. And actually, they've put me on antidepressants. And she said, I actually think you're perimenopausal. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but a 49-year-old intelligent woman had never heard the word perimenopause. And actually, when I Googled it and looked it up, it was such a relief to go, oh my God, I'm perimenopausal. Because I thought the menopause was just something that your period stopped. How hard could that be? Maybe a couple of sweats had heard about it after your period had stopped. But, you know, I'd led my kids through life. I built two businesses. My kids had unfortunately lost their father at an early age. I'd tackled many things that were tough. So I thought, how more prepared can I be for menopause? It can't be that hard. And actually, it was bloody awful because I was unprepared for it and uneducated on it. That story is going to resonate with a lot of women that are listening. And it certainly echoes the reports that I've had working with women in clinic and over the years. And I feel that it's a huge disservice, particularly in that early perimenopausal stage where the symptoms are quite often synonymous with anxiety, depression, burnout. And I think, again, you know, coming back to a society issue, you know, that's a degree of fatigue and lack of clarity is something that a lot of women, a lot of people experience on a low level all the time. So, but it notches up to such a degree that it impedes on our ability to be able to cope on a sort of everyday level. And I know that there are many women that I've worked with whose first port of call is to go to the doctor and say, I need something like an SSRI um, to, to help me through it. And it brings me to another point as well around community and sisterhood. 
And we recently did a report as well called The Future of Perimenopause, which was looking at what the future should be for perimenopause and how we can change the dial and significantly increase education and awareness. And one of the things that came through very, very strongly was our need to co-heal and co-evolve as women. If you go back to some of the traditional cultures, a lot of the the support that was had at this time in a woman's life, women would get together and share wisdom that would get you through this transitional stage. And then when you came out the other side, you were elevated for it. You were a person of great wealth and worth in a society because of the wisdom and and the stage that you had been through. And 94% of women said that they would benefit if, if society was more open about talking about it which shows to me that we can have great friends and we can have great communities, but we need that real depth of honesty and that real depth of connection. And we've got to have that depth of actually recognition and respect of this period of our lives. Because as you said, we're entering a period of our lives where we're the most skilled, we're most talented, we're the most confidence built, we've got the most experiences. We should be a real asset to society, Mm. you know, behaviourally, financially, in every which way. We should be at the pinnacle of our lives. And our research from our invisibility report showed that most women feel invisible in this period of life. They feel like let down, transparent, invisible to their families, even to the retailer and the brands they can't even see themselves in an advert you know they don't feel authentically represented so there's a lot to be said about we need to lift this period of our life respect it better and have society respecting it but it does start from within and ourselves we have to start as women valuing ourselves better putting ourselves first and I say this because we absolutely do not value ourselves as much as we should do and this is a period in our lives that we deserve to feel our best we deserve to have the Thelma and Louise period we deserve to swing from the chandeliers and be respected by everybody but be able to use our skills to elevate them but have fun and laughter at the same time and I feel that we need as women to say this is my time This is our time. And so this isn't about the old ways of make, do, amend and shut up. This is a period of our lives where we have to adapt. You wouldn't run a marathon without any training, eating the right food, reading the right research, from supplements to nutrients to food to sleep to kit. Why would we allow ourselves so woefully to be unprepared for the biggest marathon of our lives, the perimenopause and menopause? The better prepared and educated we are, the better experience we can have of it. And I've always said anyone can walk, crawl or run a marathon without any training if you've got a gun to your head. But actually, would your experience be as good as if you'd spent a year, six months, a year preparing for it, training for it mentally, physically, getting yourself emotionally prepared for it? No, it wouldn't. I want to ensure with Gen M that we can allow women to have the choice and control to not just have a good menopause, but have a great menopause. That's the difference here. And I know we've talked about everything from it being a societal issue and why I don't believe it's a medical issue per se, but the sum of all parts. But the recent press and the media have been big on going and getting HRT. Now, please don't get me wrong. HRT does work for some women, but our research of our recent opportunity report for partners has showed that 48% of women right now aren't even considering HRT or wanting to take it. They're looking to other 
other alternatives. Now, when I had my kids all this time ago, there was a big craze on breast is best and a big campaign about this. Now, I was a, a working mum who had to go back to my family business after three weeks of my baby being born. I wanted to work and I wanted to be a mother as well. And I couldn't breastfeed because I was going back to work. And the peer pressure around me was, what sort of mum are you if you're not going to breastfeed? And I felt this was about choice and control. And actually, we all have choices. And it's the same now with menopause. We as women are almost pushing on women to say, well, aren't you taking HRT? What kind of woman are you if you're not taking it? When actually we've got a choices of and I want the best choices open for any woman to be able to choose how to handle and support their menopause the best way they can. We had a chance to speak before and we were talking about how you know, when you go through the menopause, the whole of you goes through the menopause, not just your physical body, the whole of you goes through it. I likened it to the old structure that was around mental health. And if you were feeling anxious or depressed, you go to the doctor, you'd be given a prescription and then you'd be sent on your way. Actually, now, that is absolutely not the case. And for all the right reasons, you would go to your doctor. They would ask, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? How are you moving? Let's get you signed up for some talking therapy and or CBT. It would be a very much more holistic approach. You know, I don't want women thinking, well, if I get down to the doctors, all I need to do is get some HRT and everything will be all right. Or equally, we don't want their partners, man or woman, going, well, you know, stop, stop maudling around in your menopause. Get yourself down to the doctors. That's your answer. No, mm. actually, the answer is let's work out my ecosystem, my holistic yes. system that I need to build this better. And what are you as my partner? What are you as my family? What are you as my work colleague or my employer going to do to help me through this period? Not do it for me, but help yes. and support me through it. And yeah. actually, that's where we need to get to. We need to get people supporting us going, do you know what? I heard you had some hot sweats last night, but I've read online that there's some great climate controlled bedding that will wicker your sweat if it's the, the freezing that you're having after your hot sweat, mm -hmm. that you're getting it all. My mum tried these nutrients and these have really worked for her. And, you know, or... Mm -hmm she's changed her diet. We need to start giving positive rhetoric to this and solutions that have worked for us, but share them more because what might work for one woman might not work for another, but it's about having those choices for us to identify. It's choice. And importantly, it's informed choice. So the right information has got to be out there for the women to make their choice. And, you know, our survey found that a significant proportion of people were looking for natural alternatives to HRT, which is why we've recently partnered with Dr. Harper to create a, a perimenopause and menopause trio of products. But it's also looking at offering advice that so we offer nutritional consultations for women to come and understand, because it's about understanding their own body. And everybody Completely. goes, every individual is going through the menopause, but like everybody's childbirth is different. Everybody's menopause is different yeah, and it's completely. got to be on an individual level. And I really want to come back to this point about education because we keep bringing it up. And I mean education in the very wide yeah. meaning of the word, because you said that you had been to the doctor a few times before you knew it was perimenopause. The research that we've done in our Future of Perimenopause report was that 18% of women had gone to the doctor six times. Yeah. And had exactly the same experience that you had. So education needs to happen to those that are on the front line talking to women as well. The information needs to be available to them. 
And I couldn't agree more, but we've got to stop putting the onus completely on the doctor because, again, they are absolutely inundated with everyone. And if you go in with brain fog and actually go, oh, it's perimenopause, they have to check out other things as well because you wouldn't like to think that they'd tear out and say, no, it's just the perimenopause, don't worry yeah. about it, go and get some support. And then you, you were in the onset of dementia Alzheimer's. So they've got a very hard task to do. I am not pushing it back on ourselves to investigate and do, but this is your life and your body. And you don't just rely on going to the doctors to give you all the answers. You look to yourself as well to find what you need to do to accommodate this period in your life better. And please don't take it wrong. I'm not dissing the doctors. They're there for a role, but they're not the one silver bullet to our lives and they're not the answer to everything. And, you know, for me, the biggest change in my life was my nutrition. I've lived a life on the Atkins diet, the Cambridge diet, the cabbage soup diet. I've lived a, a calorie deficit life because that's what we were brought up on when we were 18. You know, I'm 53 years old now. And actually, I can remember reading this article that said I could have one Mars bar or four apples. And I thought, well, I'll take the Mars bar. Thank you very much. We have <laughs> you know, a lifetime on the hips, a moment on the lips. We've heard all these things before. So not only are we the first generation of women to have the opportunity opportunity to live longer than any other generation before us. This is a legacy that we've been given and we're the first one. So it is a trial, so no one's got it right. But equally, we're the most probably undernutritionalized bodies that they've been. And without those nutrients and vitamins, our bodies don't stand a chance of being the healthiest, most active they can be. So again, I want women and those in menopause and those surrounding them and supporting them to actually look at the whole side of this person who's going through menopause and to say, is there anything else in your lifestyle you need to be doing to yeah. adapt to this? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you're preaching to the converted here about about nutrition as being the bedrock. And we do live in a modern world where eating for what our body needs is increasingly difficult. And that's where supplementation can plug the gap. You spoke about the menopause being a marathon, which I absolutely love, and the preparation and nutrition and that holistic approach being part of that preparation. And again, it requires women to know that this time is coming, being in it and making those changes can make a significant difference and what can make even more difference is if you are preparing the body for that stage prior to going through it so you know again it's right exercise really absolutely look to be aware self-aware like yeah. I said, there's 48 symptoms that can be found on our site, www.gen-m.com. Now, some women might only get three symptoms, some might get the whole 48, but it's actually looking out for them, preparing yourself. If you start even getting brittle nails, look to why might you be getting brittle nails? What do you need to do about this? So if you can actually manage some of these symptoms, and our research, our invisibility report, and equally your perimenopausal report also showed that women want better signposting. They want to actually have better to direction to this. They want to find solutions. Let's look at the vegan market for the moment. The vegan market is 4% of the UK population. Now look at how much signposting, awareness to clean living, to plant living and everything else has been given. That audience has grown from 2% to 4% through education, through awareness, being given the opportunity to understand more about veganism and everything else. Well, right now, 20% of the population is menopausal. 
where's our signposting? Where's our understanding of our experience? Where's our understanding of our experience online and offline and in the store? Why would you put the menopausal products in the hardest place to find in a store if you knew that the woman could be overwrought, sleep deprived, got brain fog? You're not exactly helping her out here. So (laughs) when these brands are looking into the menopause, they're looking into it purposefully. Yes, there's a commercial pound to be made, but these brands have an ability to make great change happen. And quite often, as is the case with World Nutrition, it stems from a demand and a need, a gap in the market. And I often think about pregnancy as well as a parallel experience to go through the menopause. And you know, when you first discover that you're pregnant, or you're going for your first check, you're given a pack of information of how to navigate this and, and signposted to certain brands or things that can actually support you during that journey so how amazing would it be if we well, had the same honest, thing I think there's a hell of a lot of work going on underground from companies like yourself and that to understand it better to support it better to signpost it better and to be there for them they absolutely do understand this is an underserved audience that deserves better and the future is so much more positive than it might feel right now and it isn't all about fear and do mongery you know we're looking at a campaign for October with all our brands including yourselves to actually promote the fact this is our time as a woman this is our time to thrive and these companies are going to be behind us they are going to be supporting us whether it be as a colleague in the workplace or as a consumer that is something we should be proud of because you know the last 18 months has seen a massive trajectory on the the voice of menopause but I think none of us had prepared ourselves for how much negativity and fear factor would be put into that voice mm. rather than positivity and preparation and thriving and Absolutely. that's the we've got to get to now no one wants to fear it Women coming into it, young women don't want to go, oh, my God, what's this going to be happening to me? Women don't want to fear it. Workplace certainly don't want to fear it and actually go, oh, my God, we've now got to think about women in menopause, never mind helping support men and women get to the top of the careers. We want this to be a time where we can thrive, we can have the right support, and and it is there, and Gen M are working there, backsides off with these brands to absolutely deliver on the needs the insights and how these women are feeling to be delivered and the future is really good. We're essentially birthing into a a new stage in our life, a very exciting stage in our life. It's almost like a rebirth without being too sort of dramatic or thespian about it but it's like a rebirth and you 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 said yesterday on the call which I really would love you to talk about is bringing back that term the change oh completely if I could get rid of the word menopause I would do and actually call it the change because as a as a marketeer the change does what it says on the label it changes everything and the sooner that we all as a society recognize that from the shampoo we might need to have for our thinning hair to the body creams that we might not need to put on because you know I don't about you but I started putting creams on on my body and actually getting to the bathroom having put them on thinking did I put a cream on because it's just disappeared completely or is it the brain fog that I've imagined putting a cream on you know it's just like your body just saturates cream like nobody's business you know from the food you need to eat to the clothes you might need to wear absolutely if we did call it the change we would be prepared to go in what part of the change do I need to be prepared for and you know if anyone out there wants to come on the revolution and help me change the word menopause and change it into the change I'd be more than happy because right with you positive (laughs) it's a positive thing the change you know a butterfly a caterpillar morphs into a butterfly this is our turn to absolutely be that butterfly and really fly our wings and I don't want to hold anyone's wings back and I want them to join me on the chandelier as 
we swing from which is well <laughs> join you join you in that Cadillac that <laughs> Thelma and Louise moment well to um, be honest back to Thelma and Louise I still argue that actually had they had the right treatments or understand they were menopausal they wouldn't have gone off the cliff the only <laughs> bit about that film that was what the bit that a woman wouldn't do is drive off the cliff we want the Brad Pitt we want the excitement we want the sports car we want the wind beneath that through our hair and laughter with our girlfriends and we can have all that without having to drive off the cliff. <laughs> I do want to raise an issue which is circulating and I think it's it's a really good one to just have a quick conversation about. Is perimenopause a middle class issue? There are socioeconomic influences, there are diversity influences and I'd really like to touch on that because I'm not yeah. sure that that's really dis- I think we're both disgusting. passionate about this. Um, obviously right now it feels a white middle class issue. You know, it's very through the media, very celebrity focused, very white. And, and and again, when there was no mention of menopause, this is better than we could have asked for. But actually, along the wayside, we've forgotten about the socioeconomic, we've hid back from the different cultures. And every woman in the world, whether she wants to believe it or not, will enter perimenopause and menopause at some point in life. And equally, let's not forget those who are going to surgical menopause, unfortunately, or early menopause as well. 10% of women will do one of those two latter things. So to me and to Jen M, when we set out, it became very, very significant at the beginning of our focus groups. That was a north-south divide on the menopause as well. Mm. And in deprived areas, they weren't ready to understand about menopause. They hadn't got time. They were working. They got the teenage kids around them. This was about getting food on the table, not about thinking about themselves and again with the cultural side of it certain cultures and ethnicities do have different menopauses to us they all have the 48 symptoms but some of them hit them harder and some of them hit them earlier and so we really do need to absolutely resonate the societal issue of menopause across cultures across socio demographics and understand that you know the support and help for any woman out there to be able to take hold of their menopause their way yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's representation in media, it's access across the board. Completely. And, you know, I think that's where, again, there's the HRT debate about supply. And, you know, there are many women that can get HRT supply through paying for it. I think also what was really resonated with me through your invisibility report was how different demographics also lean on different areas for information and advice. And so, you know, there is more support that women are feeling in a a b demographic from the workplace although still very little support in the workplace whereas the d demographic felt very very unsupported in their workplace so you know i think again it's a societal issue there's a lot of barriers to break down to make this widely accessible and the information the biggest barrier we have to break down is not blaming workplace and that for putting policies in that because actually the biggest barrier to changing the way that we look at menopause is normalising the conversation and opening up the conversation to society. You know, this legislation that the government uh, uh, fears that they're going to be putting onto companies now, no company wants to proactively work on something that they feel that they've got to do something because it's fear factor of legislation this is actually about humanization this is societal this is doing something because they need to and want to do it not because they've got to do it but because it's the right thing to do and so to me to get men and women on whatever ethnicity whatever gender that anyone relates to involved in the menopause it's about 
opening up the conversation. From our research, no one has a problem talking about the menopause. What they do have a problem is, is starting the starting conversation. Once she starts it, rumph. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. We need to give environments where it's easy to talk about it, not to be judged about it, but to learn from it. We often speak too much, and I'm one of these people who can be criticised for that, but often it's about listening to hear. We need people around us to listen to hear, not necessarily to respond, but listen to hear. And actually, by listening to hear, we can understand better what someone might be going through. We can actually put our two penneth in later on and say, have you thought about this and that? If you're a woman going through menopause, you don't want to be told how to do it. You want to be actually supported and then have some suggestions put forward to you. You know, Absolutely. You, you don't want, you know, managers turn around going, well, if you haven't done this, you haven't done that, you haven't done that. Well, what, what sort of sympathy are you looking? But actually a supportive way of directing us to help and support that we might be needing. And creating a culture where it feels safe to open up those conversations as well. 40% of women going through perimenopause experience anxiety, anxiety to a level that it's impeding their daily function. So at a time when people are maybe feeling more anxious and more vulnerable... It can be an incredibly difficult thing to, to bring up for but fear of how it's why, going to be received. Yeah, That is why education is so important, because yeah. actually you don't let your petrol tank go onto the red. And yeah. if you do, you're watching the mileage. Why are we letting ourselves get to this anxiety and overwhelmingness when it gets to that point of no return? We need to be gauging ourselves. Any woman who's of the perimenopausal ages need to be absolutely looking at their symptoms, looking at their behaviour, looking at the drive and monitoring this. Because once the dial starts to go down, you can bring it back up. But if you let it go down too far, you run the risk of running out. And Absolutely. You know, that's where Absolutely. we don't want to get women to. And have a manual, have a preparation. You know, the manual for menopause is out there. Use the internet, use the books, use society, use use all the great programs that are out there right now. Use your friends, use society, use your mums and, and let's start just talking about it more. Yeah. And value the time to do that as well. Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that I would say that I've learned through my experience of perimenopause is revaluing time and rest, deep rest. These are necessities. These are valuable necessities that we can no longer ignore. And we absolutely have to take because taking them isn't just beneficial to ourselves, but to our loved ones around us who want us to be the best version of ourselves, to our work colleagues as well. Anyone on here who feels that they've got to put other people first, think you're doing them a favour putting yourself first enables you to be the best version of yourself and allows your family your work colleagues everyone to thrive around you and that's the environment that we want as women to be in what a brilliant note to finish on I mean I could speak to you all day Heather but actually we've got to let you go I'm so grateful for your time you're doing incredible things and I for one am very grateful for everything that you've set up with Gen M and some really exciting pass ahead for you and for us and for everybody well, to be honest we're a powerful collective we can't yeah. do it without brands like yourselves involved with us you've got the reach you've got the influence and you've got the ability to make purposeful change we at gen m give companies like yourselves the tools to do that you know through our reports through our awards through our campaigns but without you we'd be nothing and actually it's about collective purposeful collaborative change that really makes the difference yeah. yes and look, with, with with everything in life it's a symbiotic power rather than an individual power so absolutely i'm grateful for your work and, and we're i'm really excited to be doing it together <laughs> there's a lot of gratitude basically <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough gratitude in this world so let's just reap it whilst it's there we'll keep that so. one yes 
yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jenny. Anyway. Have a lovely to speak to you. Have a really good day. You too. If you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you did, I'd love you to share. Leave a review or visit wildnutrition.com for all things wellness. We're here to support you wherever you are on your journey of life. 